Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We are in our second episode of Mentoring Moments for Managers. And so this is an incredible opportunity for us. We are actually getting right into the nitty gritty of a lot of our speakers that we are having on this series. So super pumped. Uh, Michelle and I are here. We are with Brandon and he is here with us to talk about some of those opportunities that um, he would have had or would have liked to have when getting into leadership positions and would have liked to know. And so without further ado, Brandon, um, hello, welcome. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, Maria. And hello, Michelle. Thank you for having me on the show today. I will be concise. Uh, my name is Brandon, and I'm a creative in the L&D space who works in the hospitality industry. So that's where I currently reside, but I have a, a huge background. Um, there's military experience, there's logistics and other experiences as well, but I'm in the L&D space now as a creative. And again, thank you for having me today. Yeah, thanks so much for for joining, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Michelle, Let's get right into it. I mean, this has been such an exciting topic we've been preparing for, and I'm excited to um, for, for us to talk through a little bit of this with Brandon. Yeah, for sure. So this is, um, as we talked about in the first episode, guys, this is a situation where you're not always going to have a training manual for this stuff. And even if you do have a company that has a really great training program, a lot of times these pieces are left out of those training programs. And they're just, they're these mistakes that you stumble along the way. And one of the reasons, Brandon, I'm really excited to get in and hear some of your thoughts and some of the things that you came up with because of your history, like you talked about in the military, logistics, leading teams, leading processes, but you've also had the opportunity in L&D to really assess that leader audience and hear from an outside perspective where their struggles are. And I think that gives us in L&D a unique look at what makes it hard to jump from individual contributor to manager of people. So I'm really excited. I'm going to jump right in if you want to. You ready? I am ready. Okay. Tell me your first piece of advice. You wish new managers knew before they got into the role. I would say the first piece of advice that managers should know when they get into their role or before they get into their role is to one, and this is kind of three little subsets into one thing, but it's basically know yourself, be yourself and be authentic. To me, everything else that I'll talk about flows from those things because if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your leadership style, if you don't know, you know, your beliefs on how you want to treat people or lead people or engage with people, and not to say that you can't evolve and develop that over time, but if you don't have a foundational foundational understanding of who you are as a person and how you approach those basic concepts, uh, you're going to really struggle because, as you know, walk into any airport, any library, there's thousands of books on leadership. And there's thousands of books on how to lead and manage people. So you have to be able to know yourself and then pull from those resources to hone your your style to fit you. I love that point. See, this is why I knew that it was going to be great to have you on here. We've already got a quote for a (laughs) t-shirt to come out of this podcast, just so you know. But um, I actually do want to talk about that because we've talked about knowing 
what shadow you want to cast at that like executive or senior leadership level on previous podcasts. But what advice do you give people who honestly, most people have not sat down and thought about this. They were told, hey, you'll get a raise. You'll get these hours. You'll get to be in charge of people. And it's like, sweet, I'm in. What advice do you give them to step back and start that thought process? That's a great point. I think even before getting to that, you know, money um, is always, you know, kind of a, we love money. Uh, well, I won't say we love money, but we enjoy making money and the things that it, it affords us. But I think before you even get down that road, and I wish I had the, I saw something on a social media post, but basically it said there are kind of four types of wealth. There's monetary wealth, there's social wealth, there's um, physical wealth, and then there's there's like one more. Um, and it's it basically saying that you don't want to sacrifice your emotional wealth and your physical wealth for your status and your social wealth. So the point being is that you really need to ask yourself, one, is this something I really want? Not just, you know, from a financial standpoint, but in terms of your holistic approach to, is this the right fit for me? I, I if Let's say you, you're a senior manager, you want to move to a director. Is the organization you're currently in open to your leadership style as a director? If not, you might want to say, okay, maybe I'll take not take this role, get some more experience and look for a different lateral transfer into a different department and then move to a director. Because if they're considering you for a director in that position, more than likely you'll be available as a director in another position. So I would really say, really consider what's the reason, the, as you know, what's your why behind it? And I don't want to sound cliche, but really why are you, is it, is it expectations? Well, I'm 42, so I should be at this stage in my career. And if I don't do it, then maybe I'm not meeting up the expectations. Well, the only expectations that really matter, and we all say this, but we all feel the pressure. The only expectation that really matters are yours. So if you don't feel like the role is a right fit, regardless of the money now, if you need it, I mean, do what you need to do, but then get the director role and then maybe do a year and then transfer to another department. So there are several approaches, but again, the bottom line is, look at it holistically and determine, is this the right fit for me? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I, I think what I find with clients that I coach based around their career is that most of us just kind of stumble into where we end up. We don't do exactly what you're describing, which is pause and actually think about it in context of your bigger life and your bigger plan, because it is that. It impacts all of it. Work impacts, wow, just a crap ton of things in your life. It's going to impact your health every single day, mental, physical. It's going to impact your family. It's going to impact how your kids see you, if they see you. It's going to impact everything. I think it's one of the reasons that I enjoy career coaching so much is because it took me way too long to figure out what you just said, that it wasn't about just taking the next thing because I think that's the next step. Um, and it did take me most of my career to figure that out. Well, but, you know, if you look at, and again, I, this is more anecdotal. If you look at what society or an educational medium tells us, that's kind of how most people are guided. Hey, you know, this is the next step. This is a career. You need to be this, 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 and this by this age, by this time to have this level of wealth and so forth. So we have to reprogram our mind frame to say, okay, yes, while that that is a general trajectory, again, who am I as an individual and how does that, you need to be able to map your individuality on top of that trajectory and say, okay, 
does this really work for me? Because to your point, the reason we stumble is because and there's never a clear path. Everyone's, I mean, you, you can see the linear structure of the corporate hierarchy, but there's never a linear path for each of us because we're all individuals. So when you make those course corrections and really start to go with your instincts, you're like, okay, I know this is where I'm at now, but I see glimpses of things I thoroughly enjoy in this aspect and component of my job. How do I get that to become the focus? And then that's where people, quote unquote, as you pointed out, stumble into it. So that I think you have to layer that authenticity piece on top of that generic trajectory and say, okay, is this right for me? I love that advice. Cannot tell you how much I love that advice. Okay. Shoot. What's the next thing that you think leaders should know? Well, I think that kind of ties into that as well, but owning your, your journey. Uh, and you know, we kind of covered that in our first point, kind of filtered into it, but it's such, it it piggybacks right onto that, right? You have to own your journey. If manager A goes through hurdles, A, B, C, D, and E, and manager B is looking at manager A saying, well, I guess I need to do the same thing. No, that's not necessarily true because you're a different individual. Do you want to stay an individual contributor for most of your time and then jump into a small niche leadership role? Because, and I I know we're all, we're all study students of the leadership game, I'll say. And you, you look at, okay, what is the definition of a leader? Can you lead up? Can you lead down? We don't, we, I know we don't have time to get into all that, but my point is you have to know, okay, in your mind, what type of leader are you? You have to know, okay, from a leadership standpoint, do I want to manage a large team? Do I want to manage a small team? How do I handle people who don't like to be led versus uh, there's a book called The Power of Quiet, and I can't remember the author. It's not, it's, I don't have it in front of me, but it's basically The Power of Quiet, talking about how introverts make exceptional leaders. And maybe at the end, I'll grab the book. But my point is that in there, the leadership profile, one person worked with professionals who wanted to excel. That was the environment they thrived as a leader versus you had individuals who were always pushing back, always challenging and had lack of motivation and they did not flourish as a leader. So you could say, well, they're a bad leader. Well, environment matters just as much to the leader as it does to the team. So it's really about understanding your journey and your knowing your career is going to be different and finding out where you fit in in terms of that leadership scale because not everyone's going to be a C-suite executive. Right. And not everyone should be, right? Correct. So knowing knowing that becomes critical. And as an introvert, I love that you mentioned that book because introverts often get in this weird place of do they make a good leader? Are they too quiet to be a leader? Can they step up when they're supposed to? There's just a ton of questions around whether or not introverts make good leaders. And to your point, that book is called The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. It's, it's called Quiet by Susan Cain. So great book. I'm not, I'm not done with it yet, but I had to basically go through the first chapter like six times because there was just so much, you know, maybe the first two chapters, but you, it was just so much. It was so dense. Like, you know what, if I would have known that maybe 10 years ago or, you know, five years ago or 15 years ago, whatever, you know, time when do you have, it's just, especially for introverts. And I know that's kind of a tangent, so I won't go down there, but I really recommend for introverts who are particularly wanting to be in leadership positions. Um, it's a great opportunity to, to at least maybe glean a couple of nuggets. Again, you may not like the book, understand it's not ever not for everyone, but definitely a lot of good nuggets in there. Yeah, for sure. It is a tangent that I go into often, Brandon, you should know that I am known for my bunny trails where we just go off subject 
talk about random stuff. In fact, I'm going to echo exactly what Brandon said. And I'm going to say, if you haven't done your MBTI, you haven't gone through type at some point in your career, it is great going into a leadership role or at least quickly after. You're going to figure out the complexities of how you're communicating with people on your team, particularly if they are different. And I want to just, I'm going to give you two really quick examples. Um, I worked for an extreme extrovert. I'm an extreme introvert. And guys, introverts don't mean we don't have opinions. It just means... I mean, if you talk to me and Brandon about leadership, we can talk all day long and never shut up. So it's not about how much you talk. It's really about how you process, how you think, and when you talk and what subjects you talk about. So, but she would talk about everything. Like she would, it would be a thought that popped in her mind and it would come out of her mouth. And as an introvert, I take everything that comes out of your mouth as real. And so I would immediately act on her thoughts, thinking they were requests. Um, And we got, we definitely got into a world of trouble until we figured that out. But actually, Brandon, where we met from the job where we met um, when we worked together to the job that I most recently left to join Real Talent, it's a great example of another part of typing that is really clear how you as a leader may need to adjust your style. So Brandon and I worked in a place where my leader or our department leader understood that I didn't work well with a plan, that I would have the entire document created in my head. I just didn't have all the steps out on paper yet. And then when I sat down in front of the computer, it would all spew out at the same time, which a lot of people, they need to write a little bit at a time. For me, I create the entire training document in my head first, then I get it on paper. And for the most part, she was okay with that. She wanted big picture deadlines. She wanted to see what progress was being made, but she didn't micromanage. And then I moved into a role where the leader did not understand that at all. I did not miss deadlines. I I went from um, understanding what I needed to execute, processing it, executing it, deploying it, implementing it, getting buy-in from the business. But because I couldn't or didn't, I could have, I could have. But because I didn't give her a plan that said every Monday, I will have this done, this done, this done. And it didn't build out for the six months. She struggled with that. And that goes to a type issue as well. She was um, a J and that's how you organize your world. Um, And I'm a P, which uh, is how I organize my world. So because of that difference, it really, we struggled to, um, we argued a lot. Let's just put it that way. And if I could just jump in on that for just a second, I think, you know, a lot of time to your point, it's it's a great opportunity, whether, you know, there are many assessments and profiles, so I won't plug any specific one, but I will say that it is beneficial to know how you will work with others, but it's also beneficial because then you fully under, you get a better or clearer picture to some of the things that you may innately know about yourself. But when you see it, written and codified on paper within the framework of the assessment, it sheds an entire light 
a different light and vantage point of like who you are as a person, because it just it's so powerful because now that helps you understand, OK, how am I going to engage with people? And then in certain instances, I feel a certain way or think a certain way. Why, this tells you more of the why behind it, which only makes you a stronger and better leader. Absolutely. And if you're going with those good if you're going with a reputable personality assessment, what you're going to find is they're not positioning any of your traits as positives or negatives. They will tell you how they can be perceived, but they're never going to tell you this is good or this is bad. They're simply going to say this is an action. And for me, there were a number of things that I did that the world told me was bad. And then when I read it, like you said, on paper with, you know, psychiatrist who studied it for their entire career. And suddenly I was like, oh, it's not bad. Um, Suddenly that habit that I had, I was able to articulate the value to the company that I did it. Absolutely. And because, you know, we we like the dichotomy, good, bad, right, wrong. But in terms of personality, there's, it's more nuanced, if you will. It's, you know, environment plays a huge role in that. And that's, taking those assessments and understanding what environment you thrive in is just important as you know how the people are in those environments will thrive with your leadership. So I think it's very important to know that information. Yep, for sure. Okay, so Brandon, what you got next? All right, so the next thing on my list is listen a lot, but ask questions too. You know, coming into a new, and I'll just say the, the fourth one, and trust your instincts. A lot of times we come into, you know, and I know, Michelle, you're a lover of the book, The 90, the First 90 Days. I still, to this day, I'm just like, I, I can't. Um, I shouldn't say I can't because I can't. I could. I just, there's certain books I'm just like, you know, I think I've had enough today. And again, for those in the audience, if you love that book, I'm not hating on you or for your perspective. I just, that's a book that's just kind of, just not, I'm not there yet. But my point is, you definitely want to listen, especially, you know, things for like acronyms, you know, cultural phrases and that talks about organizational culture just listen to the tone try to sense the mood of the environment you're in but don't be afraid to ask questions i know a lot of times we you know and of course as a leader there i'm assuming you made the leadership role at some point because you have discretion and discernment so with that caveat you know don't be afraid to ask questions because more than likely, I'd say maybe 60 to 70 percent of the audience in the room is thinking the same question. So you just get the credit for asking it. So and not that it's about being noticed. But my point is it will help validate those around you and give that sense of, OK, we, we do. We're building that equity in terms of being credible because they ask thoughtful and intelligent questions. So listen, try to read the room, get insights. But then you know, don't feel like you have to say something for the sake of saying something, but don't feel like you can't say something either because you don't want to look dumb or stupid in front of the audience. So, and that's why I say, trust your instincts. Clearly you're, you're in that role for a reason. Um, we're all going to have some levels of doubt and concern, but at the end of the day, you, as again, building on that foundation of knowing yourself, you, you intuitively will know, okay, your thought process and how you take in information, you might say, Hmm, that's an interesting point. I want to ask about that. And then that may branch off into a deeper conversation that otherwise would not have happened had your leadership uh, perspective had not been there. So uh, listen a lot, ask questions and trust your instincts. Love that. I actually am going to share a bit of a story. When I stepped into my first leadership role, I actually remember going to the first kind of remotely held meeting 
with everyone within my district. And um, in that meeting, two of the managers pulled me aside and they're like, okay, so get something straight. You're the newbie. Your job is to shut up and listen. You don't have opinions. You don't have thoughts. Just be quiet and listen. And I think, you know, there's a ton of disadvantage in that, not just that you stop my learning and my ability to process stuff, but you also pause innovation completely. Perhaps I have great questions coming from the fact that I haven't always done it the way that you're talking about. And it could be a great, a different point of view that opens it up. So Brennan, I love that thought that, you're in that role for a reason. Listen to yourself. And if it's time to speak up and ask questions, do so. If it's time to share, do that as well. And to go on a quick tangent, uh, when you said the first of the first of the first, it reminds me of Will Smith and Men in Black. Why are we in this room? To be the best of the best of the best, sir. <laughs> like he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just saying that. <laughs> or because we're the best. The best of the best of the best. You can say that they want to interrupt you, but that... Yeah, that came to mind. Is, wait, yeah, is he the, the guy that says that in Men in Black? Is he the guy that pokes the hole in his paper? Because no, Will Smith is the one that slides the table. Oh yeah, and preaching it's the hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the other guy who's just like, because like, why are we in this room? And we're the because we're the best of the best of the best of the best, sir. And Will Smith looks at him like he didn't even know why, he didn't even the question really is what, what are you talking about? So anyway. Sorry, that's all I can think of. I didn't want to interrupt you. No, no, it's okay. It was brilliant. Okay, let's get one more in, Brandon. At least one more. I'm going to give you three, but I'll, I'll bullet them because two of them are together. So these two are key and not necessarily related to the emotional intelligence piece, kind of like my first four. This is more of just a, just to kind of shield yourself from, from issues. One, pick your work friends very carefully and the subset of that is find out who you can trust early. So those two go together. So I'll repeat it just for the, the, the nuggets and let people salivate on what I just said. Pick your work friends very carefully and find out who you can trust early, not just in your work friend circle, but broadly speaking. And I'll tell you a little quick story. Uh, when I met Michelle, we, we sat down in a lobby and we both looked at each other and we're like, can I trust you? And we, we literally said, can I trust you? And so she looked at me and said, yes. I looked at her and said, yes. And then we had an open, candid dialogue about various topics and issues. And that's kind of set the foundational tone. And we never obviously betrayed that trust, but it was a very vulnerable, but candid moment of like, okay, I have something that I want to share. You have something you want to share. Let's see how this rolls. And it worked out great. So pick your work friends carefully, very carefully, find out who you can trust. And the last thing I would say is find inspiration outside of your field. You, you may be in the L&D space, but you like woodworking. You may like automobiles. You might like huga, you know, which is a Danish sense of coziness and comfort. You might like gardening, whatever it is that you like. Um, you might like marketing and advertising. You might be a font uh, lover or whatever. But the point is, find inspiration from those fields and pull that into the L&D space because that will give you the inspiration you need sometimes to pull a project to completion or just a new idea or a new approach on how to handle various situations or things like projects. So those would be the last three that I'd offer up. Nice. I like them. So um, last thought is you you guys, for those of you that listen to all of our podcasts, uh, and I think we're up to like 65 by now, bam, maybe not 65, but it's a bunch, whatever. 
you hear us also talk about the importance of kind of your um, board of directors. And I don't care what you call them. I call them my village. Sometimes I call them my people, um, whatever that is. You know, Brandon kind of talked about in that those last three kind of pushed together bullets. Find out who your people are. Doesn't mean everybody else doesn't matter. Doesn't mean you're not going to interact with everybody else. But it's about surrounding yourself by the people that will help you be successful in your role and help you get to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So when you're looking for that board of directors, you, you may want to find somebody who is a connector and gets you to resources. It might need to be someone who can be super honest with you, that you can bounce ideas off of, someone that will help you be innovative where you're stuck. So think intelligently about who you're going to surround yourself with. Perfect. So Brandon, any last thoughts or any other pieces of feedback or advice for our listeners to really keen in on uh, as they're going through the series? I would just say to, to basically package everything, you know, have fun, life's short, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. I know I didn't cover any of that, but at the end of the day, you know, life is precious and just, you know, be yourself and, and, and do the best that you can with what you have, be willing to learn and grow. But at the end of the day, have fun, right? There's, there are many lanes to uh, on our journey, and we never know which one will get us to the end destination that we want to arrive at. So uh, that's what I would say. Great. You've you've heard it here from Brandon. We're going to have more speakers on uh, this series. Thank you so much, Brandon, for joining us. This has been such a delightful conversation. Super excited. Feel free to come back and join us anytime. Uh, you're more than welcome if you have any hot topics uh, to include in any of our future series. So until next time, thanks so much, listeners. Keep it real. Bye.